What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Starr. And as you can see today, we go at it. Me and my buddy Casey go head to head. Goshawks versus Harris's Hawks. <laughs> and a few other topics, but I mean, we get pretty heated, not going to lie, because he loves Goshawks with a passion and I do the same for Harris's Hawks, even though I'm flying mostly Merlins right now. But still, we get into that, a few other Falconry-related subjects, and then we make a little wager at the end. So be sure to <laughs> listen all the way to the end of the podcast. If you guys haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and give us an awesome five-star review. Thank you. It really does help. And if you like the way me and him talk smack to each other, share this with a friend. Let them know, hey, yo, they get freaking lit. They get all litty on this here pod. Thank you again, guys, for listening to the Wildlife Command Center podcast. Let's jump in with my buddy, Casey Everett, New Jersey Falconry. So before we jumped on, Casey and I were talking about what I was doing right before my elk hunt, which is basically dropping my total calorie intake every day, dropping the total amount of carbohydrates I was intaking. And the pounds just started do, 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 like trimming off. And over about a month, I lost about 10 pounds from 195 to 185. I wish. I wish. <laughs> what are you running right now? Uh, 220. 220? Okay. 220 juicy. A, ju- a juicy 220? <laughs> yeah. So speaking of, I'm about to... I wish I could get on the juice. No, I'm, I'm about to start. You know, the <laughs> winter's my heavy lifting season. Yeah, that's when I start like lifting super heavy and get all giant and jacked and and juicy. And then the summer is when I run a lot in preparation for yeah failing elk hunts. <laughs> yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> it went. It was a son of a gun. This year was was pretty wild, super mentally taxing towards the end. Yeah, bro, being alone, man, it's a lot. It's heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. My first two elk hunts. We're with a group of guys, and it was like the best experience. Yeah, I can imagine. Hunting, like of my life, and then the next two were by myself, and I'm like, man, you know, this is not so great. Start making friends with sticks and leaves and stuff. <laughs> you spend a lot of time up in your mind, man. You start thinking about everything. You start thinking about your life, your mistakes, your successes, what you're going to do moving forward. And so I had a lot of time to think up there. Made some decisions, made some ideas of what what I'm going to be doing next, you know, the next five to 10 years of my life, but um, we're not dropping those on this podcast. Uh, I was just going to say, are we going to get a little (laughs) little insight into the future? Well, somewhat, sort of. Okay. A little bit is like I'm dropping, so something else we talked about right before we started recording was, you could hear my dear Barbary Falcon out there squeaking, hey, 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 what's up, you know? So I'm dropping her down in weight. And it's nice because she actually, falcons, they actually get quieter the more you drop them. Mm, that's Most interesting. Of the time. Adult, like aged imprints. New imprints, totally different. They're kind of the same along the whole board, basically. But she's like five. She's grown up. So her behavior, her manners gets better the more you drop her, you know? Okay, all right. That's just kind of the way falcons are. Yeah. Goshawks are... S- kind of similar when it's like game time. Well, when they mature mentally, of course, they become, when they know what's going on, they'll scream at the house and stuff like that. But the minute you take them out of the truck and they see the brush, they kind of shut up. They're like, all right, where's the game at? Where's the game? 
You know what I mean? So yeah, it's kind of similar, but no, I, when you lower their weight initially, then no, they, they start getting a little bit more vocal. So I would say it's definitely opposite, but as they mature mentally, they'll definitely scream less in the field for sure. That's for sure. So let's talk about you. How's this little Tiersel doing? He's doing great, man. He's, uh, it's one of those things where like, I didn't want a Tiersel. I've flown Tiersels in the past and they're like a head case and, you know, Anybody who's flown a Tearsel or anything, even a Tearsel Redtail, they're just a little bit more high-strung. Things will kind of get to them a little bit more. And they, I think it's kind of like they know where they sit on the food chain, where they're kind of like a little bit more afraid of everything new stimulus. When, as the, at least from my experience, you know, all goshawks, they go through phases and whatever their mindset is at that moment, they'll act a certain way. But the females are kind of like, you know, they want to kill you rather than be fearful when the Tearsel is more like, I want to get away from the situation. The female wants to like maul your fit, you know? So like, I've noticed that he's definitely a little bit more nervous. And for example, it took me 35 minutes to get him in the box last week. Like just to get him in the box. What? This is a bird that, you know, was fed in the box. I did drills in and out of the box. And like, all of a sudden he hard pens, you know, I hack him a little bit. And then when I take him in, when I take him in from the hack, he's kind he's like a different bird, which is a good thing because, but then we have to re- exposed to the stimulus again, all over again. So you got to kind of go a little bit slower and go back in. And now we'll hop in. If I chuck a tidbit in there, now he'll, he'll jump in there. And I think it was a lot of it had to do with the weight because he was a little heavy. I like, you know, I wanted to hack him heavy. So he builds, of course. Mu- builds muscle. Yeah. yeah. You never want to slam that weight. That would just be a big mistake. So everything's a big game to him. But then obviously if you put him in a situation that he doesn't enjoy not that fun anymore now you know he just wants to get out of the situation but now that i creep the weight down although he's still fat but the weight is definitely creeped down now he's more more inclined to play ball and if i especially if there's food involved he'll kind of you know he'll jump in the box now and then stuff like that but yeah so the issue was i, I wanted a female uh, moglish did not produce a female for me which is fine my buddy got it and my my buddy is actually he's actually on his way over to my house because he has the sister to this bird. So we're going to go out, we're going to go in the field, we're going to run our dogs. I'm going to fly my bird, he's going to fly his bird, and we're going to expose them to new people. So so it's cool. So I'm happy at least I can see the female fly, but he sent his deposit in like five minutes before I did. So <laughs> A legit five minutes? I don't know, dude. I, like, it could have been a day, it could have been like a half hour. I don't remember. I just know that Mogus was wow. like, I think I got his first. And I said, well, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? So it was like, Either I don't fly anything new or I take the Tearsel. Which is acceptable, Casey. No, it's not. Which is something as we age, we need to accept that that is acceptable. It's okay to not have to start a new bird. Absolutely not. (laughs) What? No, Uh, no, man. man. I'll fight you on this, dude. I'll fight as someone who did used to think every year something new must be started. Man, Last year, when I didn't have to start a new bird and I basically got to start hunting so much earlier, I mean, you experience early hunting because you're imprinting. It seems like for multiple years now in a row, you've imprinted new birds, so you've always had the opportunity to hunt and start early. Uh, So I guess that argument actually just worked itself out. That doesn't work because if you start... (laughs) I didn't make a new bird last year. I was actually, like you were saying, I'm not going to lie, it was extremely nice to just lower the weight on that last bird, Karen, and just start doing some lure stuff with her and then literally just cut her loose and start catching game. It was such a nice feeling. 
But of course, that ended abruptly. You got a few months out of it. Yeah, I got a few months out of it. But then I was able to mess with a new bird. My thing is I just want to make my skill. I just want to get my skills kind of to your point. Like, I guess we won't disagree ultimately because I want to get to the point where I have a monster killing machine that I could just go out and catch whatever I want in front of whoever I want, wherever I want, and then maybe start a new bird here and there for fun. Oh, so you're going to transition to Harris Hawks then? (laughs) Bro. Yeah. Bro. Come on, man. Don't insult me. Oh, yes, I won't. But where is the lie? There isn't one because there has never been one goshawk in history that was just like, sure, I'll go out with anybody. This is great. There was, man. There's many. I've seen many. I've seen many in my time. My buddy Miguel, Raptors Unlimited, check him out. His Tearsel that he flew, uh, it's no longer with us at the moment, but he had a Tearsel. And I mean, that's right, because that's the other problem. They die. For no reason. Oh, that's a bummer. Man, if you want to get into this, we can get into this. We can, uh, I got bulletin points. I got everything, man. We can. Lay it on me. Let's go. Let's go. What do you, what do you have? Cold tolerance. Yeah. <laughs> oh, geez. You have cold tolerance and like tenth of a second faster wing beat. Uh, no. What else you got? What else you got? I would say we have physics on our side. We have molecular biology on our side. They're molecular biology to die for no reason. Well, listen, if the bird is, if the bird is capable of flying so fast in a short period of time that it can kill itself, then that, that proves my point that the bird, that it's a superior bird. The issue is it requires a little bit more finesse and a little bit more patience to fly one. But I will Mm -hmm. stand by this and I get messages all the time you know, this and that, I would love a goss, you know, this and that, but they're just so high strung. They're so psycho. And I look at them and I say, listen, I flew red tails my whole life. I wa- yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. So here's the thing. It is true to a degree, but I flew red tails my whole life. I watched my sponsor, Paul and Phil. I watched them fly only goshawks. And I said that like, it's a nightmare. It's a headache. But once they get past the hurdle, usually it's in the beginning, they act like that. But once they get past that point, I mean, I'll attest to it because I've flown goshawks that once they're made, once they are exposed to stimulus, once they're, they understand what's going on, it is literally a red tail on steroids or a Harris hawk on steroids. You lower the weight, put it in the freaking box, you drive to the field, you take it out, and you kill anything that moves in any scenario, in any situation. I mean, I went to the marshes where they only fly long wings. What do you mean, mm? I wouldn't say any situation. Okay, give me a situation that they can't fly in. What are we gonna? gonna <laughs> let's see. What's a good situation? Mm. Exactly. It's a hundred degrees out in August. Okay, there's there's goshawks in Mexico. New Mexico, yes. No, Mexico at above seven thousand feet. Yeah, well, they come down and they hunt. No, no, no. They're not hunting in a hundred degree weather. Well, of course they are. Upstate New York right now is 95 degrees in upstate New York. That's where, that's where they breed. That's two and a half hours. No, actually, all the goshawks just died. You didn't hear? They all died off in New York. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. Literally, the temperature hit 91 degrees, and they're like, shit, yeah. we're done. We can't fly now. Just, we, we can't fly. They we have fell to out die. of the trees. I've been hacking my bird in 90-plus degree weather. She goes up. He, he goes up and sits in a tree and hangs and out. And pants all day. Yeah, they all pant. You know what I mean? But yeah. I, <laughs> right. 
guys out in California <laughs> and other places uh, that are hot are still cleaning up the field with their goshawks in hot weather. But you're not going to find a Harris hawk that's going to fly in five degrees with a wind chill catching ducks while their feathers are freezing and plucking like there's nothing wrong. I, I admitted that. They can fly in the heat and they can fly in the brutal cold. And actually, I would argue that the colder it is, the better it is. I would agree that the colder it is, the better it is for goshawks. But I have never seen a goshawk hunted in the 90s. I don't think anybody would ever do that. Well, it's not a smart idea. I will agree with you. There are some things that they can do, but it's not a smart thing to do. No, nah, not a good know? idea. But I will say, if we went down and we created a... You know what I want to do one day? I'm going to create a checklist. The anti? Oh, I thought no. we were going to have a meet, like a meet of Harris Hawkers and Goss Hawkers. I would bet that Harris, the Harris Hawkers would catch more. I would bet they would catch more. The, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. Okay, so let's... So let's... That'd actually be a fun event to put on. Let's play this out. Okay, where would we go? It needs to have jacks. It needs to maybe have ducks. That's not so important. Like, the main thing is that it has jacks and bunnies. Well, goshawks can catch anything. I've never seen one on a white-tailed jackrabbit, but, you know... When, they catch them. talking about that. I've never seen one. Oh, wait. No, Lou, the goshawk meat <laughs> is held in jackpot. Nevada every year so that they can target whitetails. Yeah, I want to get out with him one day. He's got some really nice country out there to fly in. He's the man. Yeah, Nevada's the shit, dude. Let me tell you firsthand. I love it. It really looks like a nice place. But listen, man, back to our agreement, because I see you trying to veer away from it because you, you sense the loss coming. They are faster. They're tolerant of the heat, and they're extremely tolerant of the cold. Once you get through the headache of getting the bird made, once the bird is made, it will literally fly in any situation, in any scenario. Can't agree with you. Can't agree with you. The first goshawk I flew was flown by two other people. I flew it one day, and it's chasing ducks, and the next day we caught a duck, and it didn't even know me. Once they understand, okay, this guy is, this is the falconer now that I'm with, they'll just anything that moves. So why don't anybody use them for like abatement? Because they're too efficient. You can't kill stuff for abatement. Oh, they're too <laughs> efficient. That's right. Yeah, the goal That's is to right. scare prey. You're not prey. allowed to kill things in abatement because most most abatement is done on a base of species. Correct, and that's that's why Wait, you have to use Harris them. No, they're not not always an invasive species. A lot of times it's uh, well, in my area at least it's seagulls which are very protected and you can't kill them and there's all kinds of laws against that. So yeah, if you use goshawks, then everything's going to die. And the customer is not going to want to see dead pigeons and dead starlings all over the place because your goshawk is just slaughtering everything. The Harris hawk that just chases stuff for fun, you know, just scares everything away. But they come back anyway because they know that the Harris hawk's not really a threat. So that once again proves my point. <laughs> Why do they keep coming? And that's a, listen, listen, I'm not knocking you. It's a good business model. Have a bird. <laughs> That scares them away for a little while, say, and then they come back. You know, it's just a good, it's a good business. The whole plan. point here is to make money. Exactly. So why use a goshawk? Because then there's going to be nothing left for you to bill for. That's Everything's right. going to be well, dead. No, I'm just kidding. Listen, I'm just kidding. It's not for everybody. It's it's really not for everybody. I think that everybody, including you, should fly a goshawk. Should raise an IS and fly it and have fun with it. And if you don't like it, put it on a raptor's nest or give it to somebody. Because it definitely teaches you 
just the things that I've learned. It definitely teaches you a level of finesse that you will never learn with a red tail. You'll never learn it with a Harris Hawk. Yeah. I mean, granted, I've never flown a Harris Hawk, but I'm just, I know from what I've seen, I've seen guys fly them. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult of a bird to fly. And I'm not knocking it. Listen, there, there's a reason why it's one of the most popular, it's probably the most popular bird in falconry in the world is because it is, yeah. it's a very low barrier to entry. You just get it, you raise it, you do a couple little exercises with it, and you start catching stuff with it. And that's great. And that's the point. That's what falconry is all about. But if you want to watch a bird catch up to a duck that's flying full speed that's 50 yards away from you and watch it close the distance and take it out of the air 100 feet in the sky and come to the ground with it. You got to use a male Harris hawk, yeah. No, that will definitely not happen. You have to use, <laughs> you have to use a goshawk. You have to use a goshawk. But listen, I just, for me, flying red tails is fun. There's nothing better than a red tail. But the, I feel like I'm learning more and becoming a better falconer all around by continuously flying goshawks. And that was another reason why I wanted, I was going to tell Mogus, I was going to say, bro, another 150 bucks right now. Just pretend that I gave you the money first. <laughs> but then I stopped myself and I said, well, you know, listen, I flew a big female, big white female. She was awesome. She was a beast. It wasn't, I will say this, it wasn't super difficult to get her entered because she knew where she stood. She knew how big she was. She wasn't scared of anything. The first thing that she actually flew after and tried to grab was, was a Canada goose. So it's like, it's not like there was any fear. So it just, it just required me, to be perfectly honest with you, to put in the time and to cultivate her, her confidence. So I'm like, you know what? I should fly a Tearsoul again. And now that my skills have improved, now I think I can do a lot better with the Tearsoul. And there's nothing that a Tearsoul can't catch that a female can catch. You know, a Tearsoul can catch pretty much anything. Except once you're in goose territory, but that's not yeah, your major quarry, so that's not necessary, you know? That's risky with a 1,300-gram female goshawk. that's risky. And my bird, she learned that lesson pretty easily, that it's, if I'm not there to help and she doesn't get it right, that thing flips over and gets on top of her, it's a nightmare. going to beat that butt. Yes, it is. The only thing that could probably take a goose with zero risk is probably, I would probably say an eagle or... I mean, a ferruginous, something big and just super strong. Goshawks are big and strong, but geese are, they're incredibly strong birds. They're very dangerous. Like I, I see guys catch them with Harris hawks. I see guys catch them with Tearsoul goshawks. It's like right in front of them. So oh. the, bird, the bird just grabs it and then the guy jumps on it and holds it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's nice. But it's when like, was that? No. You know, it's like car hawking with Kestrels. It's like, is, uh, is it falconry? Sort of not. I kind of think of it as, not really, but it's fun and you're passing the time and, you know, it's June. So why not do it? Because you're not hunting anything else. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish I could do it here. We're not, it's completely illegal here. And, uh. Oh, car hawking. Oh yeah. That's a bummer. And I learned that lesson once again. Luckily. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I think you and I talked about that in our first episode. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. all right. It's fun. You know, and I, I agree with you on the fact that people should, if you have the time and desire to fly harder birds to kind of push your boundaries, then you definitely should. You know, that's why I'm flying Merlins. They're hard. They are not A jack is easy. even harder. My jack was so hard. I am like, I'm probably 10 times the hooder I was three years ago before I started with Merlins. My husbandry has skyrocketed because everything... Literally, when you're going to the gram, oh yeah, everything has to be perfect. perfect. Exactly. 
everything has to be perfect. And so I would eventually get to the point where I would feed my bird a portion and I knew exactly, I would knew within one gram, okay, he's going to be either 132 or 133. And I pick him up and I put him on the scale. Boom, there he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And But once you get to that point, once you get past the first like few levels of, like you were talking about in the initial, it's like, ooh, everything's a little, everything's (laughs) a little all over the place because you're trying to get a feel for your bird and your bird's getting a feel for you. And you guys are kind of coming to this common place of we're cool. We trust each other. You get that you need to kill things with an imprint or you get that I'm not going to kill you with a passage bird. And now we're going to do the dance and then it just becomes like clockwork. Exactly. And I think as falconers, that should be the goal. I mean, some people listen. I don't have a lot of time. I know some people have even less time than I do. And you have a made bird. You have an hour each day that you can fly after work and, and the weekends. You need something that you could just take out, throw in a tree, pull some vines, grab a squirrel, and go home to your wife and kids. So I completely get it. But if you are a young falconer and you are somebody who has time on your hands. Bro, you can sink two to three a day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you can do that, and listen, and my sponsor used to say that when I was in college for the brief time I was, he's like, you'll never have more time on your hands than you do now. And I'm like, really? I have all these classes. I have all this homework. He's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like you can do your homework at night and you can do this. And then I took it to heart. So I started bringing my Merlin to, uh, to class with me. I leave it in the car. You know, it was fall and I would leave it in the car. It was leave cold. Leave it in the car? It's cold. It's friggin... October, November, it's freezing. So I would just- Oh, that's true. Leave the bird hooded and I would actually just take it out and just throw it up in the parking lot of my school, my community college. And hunt what? Anything. It was doves everywhere, starling sparrows, and it was like little pine trees everywhere. So I would just beat the pine trees like discreetly. And then they would all just keep going to the end, to the end. And then they'd- Get, yes, get they blow dude. out the end. They blow out the end, oh, and the bird. That's the best. Oh, that's the best right so there. So fun. Man. Once you get them to the end tree, and you're oh, like, you guys are fucked. Yeah, you're done. And you you trigger your bird to start coming in. You're oh, waiting, yeah. waiting, waiting, waiting. Bang, 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 bang. And there's just a big explosion of birds. Oh, man, yeah. That's, that's when I wish I had the GoPro because a couple times, most of the time, she would hit them like right in front of my face, and they'd just be like a little puff of feathers, and she would just carry it up and eat it. But we, I think we talked about this on the last the last discussion, so. Did we? I don't know. It's been a while. Sounds familiar. Yeah, it's been a while. I can't. I can't wait, you know. So here in a few weeks, probably end of September, early October, I'm going to go check and see if my Merlin is still at that Oh yeah. that damn place. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, just show up nice and early with a couple of birds and see if he's still there. If he's there, I'll probably see if I can trap him. That'd be amazing. Uh, just because like why not? He's right there. Guys you know, do that though. It. They do that, right? They do it on purpose. Yep. It's called outer mewing. That's impressive. That's as high level as it gets. And people have done it for years with Merlins. I don't know why they're so loyal, but they just are. They'll, they are, man. They go, they breed, they come back to the same place, and they kind of like purposefully let, so to speak, let themselves get trapped, or they slowly work them into a routine, and then they'll trap them. And that's called outer mewing. Super fascinating. So I might outer mew. And, and if not, like I was talking with um, Nick Yashko about this, I'll probably, I'm probably going to trap a female. Yeah, females are fun. And do big stuff. Yeah, there's a decently long snipe season out here. And I don't know that I would be able to find a ton of snipe, but I would be able to find a few snipe. You need a dog for that, right? Sort of. They're pretty concentrated. Okay. And I have, I have two dogs. 
Now, I definitely know the difference if there's people listening right now who are like, you need a bird dog. Yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, 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 Trust yeah. me, I get it. I've had non-bird dogs and I've had bird dogs and I've hunted upland. And the difference between two terriers looking for upland game and a bird dog looking for upland game, it's absolutely uncomparable. It's like you find game versus you don't find game. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, that's- the bird dog will find the birds. And so, yeah, maybe whenever I was hunting in certain areas, not targeting snipe, I would get snipe up with these dogs working. It's unfortunate though, but every single time I flushed snipe this year, my bird was out of position. And it, that was a good many times. And maybe that's what was happening. He's like, all right, the Merlin's not over me. Beep. And then uh, they, yeah. they jet. That could have been happening. It's probably true. The more you're in the field hawking, the more you realize that the quarry is, is not stupid. And we used to go to this spot in, in New York State. It was an apple orchard. It's not there anymore. And any New York Falconers listening, you probably know if you're in, in that crowd, it was a very select few. But that spot was infested with rabbits. Like when I tell you infested, like infested. But you couldn't catch them. Because they knew what bells were. Oh, that's why you don't fly with bells, I know. bro. I, I don't have, listen, I don't have bells on my gosshog outside right now. I don't know why. That's nice. Okay, yeah. Now that we have the GPS, dude, bells are unnecessary. I know. I, I just, like, let, well, he slept, the goshawk slept out the other night, and I was kind of thinking, man, I wish I had a bell on him so I could just know he was in that tree. And oh, Because I thought the GPS yeah. fell off or something, and it was at the base of the tree, and it was telling me he was there. And I literally was walking around in the dark trying to see the little blinking blue light. I saw the GPS moving on the screen to that location and then stop. So I'm like, what are the chances? He's probably in here sleeping. And I went back in the morning and the little bastard was. And uh, he came down. But it wasn't that. It was weird, though, because this is something like I've had birds sleep out overnight and stuff like that from just being fat. But nothing like this. Like he was like chasing stuff and like doing crazy stuff and I don't see goshawks do this. He gets up, like I posted on my story a couple of times. He gets up over the trees and does like, goes high. I mean, he landed on a water tower that's like 250 feet up. I mean, it's a frigging giant water tower. He was all the way on the top. And then he comes whipping off, chasing little birds, like all the way up in the sky. Like I've never seen, I've seen goshawks soar for a few minutes and then come down, but he keeps, so he was doing a little bit of that as the sun was going down and then went down and then cut into the woods. And I saw him going to the woodlot. So then I'm like, all right, I got to go get him. So then I. That's exciting, though, dude. That's time on the wing, man. That's experience. Bro, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, keep building that muscle, keep getting stronger, keep building your confidence so that you can, especially with goshawks. uh, And that's another thing about goshawks. And I'm sure with other birds, but with goshawks, if they're not physically fit, their confidence is down and then they don't want to chase things. So it's like they don't, they know if I grab that duck, that duck's going to kick my ass. You know what I mean? Like, but when they're in physically strong condition, they know that they're strong. They're kind of like somebody who's on juice, man. They're friggin' they're aggro. They like, they know they're strong. Anything that moves is gonna get it. And so I'm like, listen, just get in shape because that's step number one is getting in shape. Well, first of all, sight picture is number one. So anything he eats, he doesn't eat on a lure. I mean, I just introduced a lure the other day, but he eats on the carcass only. Like I'm, I don't give a crap. Like you eat on the carcass, you chase the carcass, you grab the carcass. That's all I want you to do because I want you to just have your brain embedded on your brain that I have to grab fur These things, to yeah. eat. And that's what feeds me. How much are you doing uh, those, all those bag rabbits that you bought versus like squirrel carcasses? For the first two weeks I had them, they ran nice. And now they just are like, they literally like you walk up to them and like nudge them with your foot and they like roll over. I'm like, all right. 
So I haven't done a bag rabbit in like probably since probably two weeks ago I stopped. I only did like, I only really only did like two or three. I'm not really a fan of bagged game, to be honest. But with a Tearsoul, I flew a Tearsoul and he didn't like fur. He just, all he wanted was ducks. Like he wanted ducks and anything small, like a pheasant. Like we did a couple pheasants with some strong flying pheasants and he, I mean, he would chase them into the sunset, but Mm -hmm. he didn't like fur and he had like a little thing to fur. And that's, I'm convinced that all exhibitors will always take feather. Like they'll almost always take feather. No matter what, you can have a, a bird that's been catching jacks its whole life. You give it a couple duck slips back to back, they're gonna catch a duck. I mean, they just they can't help themselves. So with the tear I feel like it's more pronounced. That's just my anecdotal thought process. Listen, I'm not an expert on on goshawks. I talk to experts on goshawks, and so I take what they have to say into consideration. But so with this tear I, I don't I don't want to have anything to do with any of that stuff. Even when he was chasing those ducks the other day. I've never seen him explode like that since I've had him. Like, you could just, <laughs> like, he'll chase a rabbit like that flushes. Like, he'll go after it. He chased these ducks. They flushed underneath him. He was in a tree. He comes out of the tree full speed. The duck smacks the water and dives. He pulls up, then wings over and chases the other duck. Yeah, I'm like, dude. And he just chases it. And then that one dove. Mm. I'm like, this guy has got it in him. So I'm like, I don't want him to chase any ducks. I'm just going to keep him away from those things until he catches a bunch of rabbits, and then we can catch ducks. Let's explain that to people, because you can, and I've seen this with birds before, you can sour a bird basically to rabbits and squirrels, like a goshawk, because they prefer birds. So goshawks, exhibitors, all short wings, they eat, as a whole, mostly birds. Some, like sharpshins, eat only birds. They eat nothing else, besides maybe bugs. So in the beginning, as awesome as that duck flight was, you want to wed them to fur because they will always go to feather. There's never going to be an inclination to not chase feather. It will always be there, which is exactly what you saw firsthand Yeah, oh yeah. in these early stages of training. Never seen a duck in his entire life. And he's never seen anything like that in his life. Chased it like it was like... Immediately. Like he's been doing it for his, you know, his whole life, like, you know, for years. And... I mean, it was very impressive. And I'd be tempted, if I didn't know what I know, I'd be tempted to, oh, wow, let's, let's keep putting them let's around those ducks. ducks. Yeah, but yep. then, then, then you're going to hit a rabbit field and you're going to flush <laughs> rabbits and he's going to like be looking at them sideways like, I don't know what that is. This is stupid. Why are we here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're the ducks, exactly. And my buddy, my buddy flies a, uh, he actually flies the sister to my albatus that's outside. He flies the Tearsel version. And he did, he's a, Excellent falconer, one of the best guys I know. And he's one of the few guys that will he'll message me something on Instagram that's maybe not the nicest, and I'll listen to it, and I'll say, you know what? He's right, man. He's right. And I'll call him, and we'll talk. or About something you're doing? Yeah, like something I did, and he didn't agree with, and like, you know, something like that. But he's like one of the few people. Is a, I have a list of people that can talk to me in a certain way. <laughs> and I... <laughs> Where they, I, it can, they can say almost whatever they want, and I'll and I'll listen. You know what I mean? I'll, uh, I'm sure you have Merlin guys like that. That if they call you and they say, "Bro, I saw that video. What the hell are you doing, man? Don't ever do that." And you'd be like, you'd be tempted to get offended, but then you're like, you have so much. That respect. is an extremely short list. Yes, for me. the same for me. And and you'd be tempted, but then you have so much respect for them that you're like, you know what? They're pushing me to be a better falconer. I'm just gonna I'm gonna heed what they have to say, or we'll have a friendly, lighthearted, maybe going back and forth with different points play devil's advocate because there are excellent falconers out there that are a little bit stuck in their ways. They're stuck in their ways, man. I mean, 
My grandpa's like that. He's he's 80, you know? So I, I cut him some slack. Like every, still, every time I talk to him, I learn something new. I'm like, I cannot believe I didn't think about that. And he's been doing that for yeah. 30 <laughs> years, you know what I mean? But he doesn't change his clothes around his birds. Oh, yeah. He's one of those guys? One of those guys who has like 10 pairs of the exact same style of camo. Does he fly goshawks? No, jeers and jeer hybrids. Well, that's on the same level. It is. It is like the absolute tip of the spear. They're very hard to fly. Difficult falcons. Yeah, they are. I was going to say something to that point of uh, your goshawk seeing its first duck. The best male Harris I ever flew. I was living in St. Louis at the time, and we were doing like our best. He those early season thick brush blues where you're trying so hard to catch game, but everything's so thick. It's like it's so difficult, you know. I'm in the midst of it right now. Exactly. So we took a trip. It was a little later than now, but Albuquerque, you can hunt for whenever you can hunt Jackson cottontails with falconry. And so we, we drove out there for one of those trips and he was still like just barely entered, I think, on like two or three cottontails, you know. So we're like, screw it, let's go down there. And we had two adult female Harrises. But you want to enter each bird, something with Harris's, Harris's hawks. You don't want to start them in the family group because they'll just lean on the experienced members and they'll never develop themselves into a game hawk. They'll start to be like, where's the, where are the adults? They're going to catch it, right? They'll straight up do that. Just like dogs. Well, at least for me, dachshunds. They, That's right. You, yeah. If you run I've them in a group, they just too. trail the other ones. They don't learn their own style. Exactly. So the first day we were hunting this guy, little George, juvenile year, it was super, super windy. We had flown the females that morning and we earlier, and then we flew him and uh, it was crazy windy and we were trying them on cottontails and he was like, trying, 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 but just like getting blown all over the place and blown all over the place. We had hunted for about an hour, only bunnies, right? Remember we're in Albuquerque. So we're like, okay, always when you're on your way back to the truck, always, always on the way back to the truck. Yeah. The first jackrabbit this bird ever sees gets up. He chases it down. We're like, ha, look at him. How cute is that? <laughs> Little, he's, look at him. He's going for it. That's funny. He's getting really close. And then he grabs it. We're like, oh, he got it. He got it. And when by the time we got to him, he had, for everybody who can't see me right now, I have my arms crossed in an X. So Harris hawks and birds who eventually catch jackrabbits know that there is an instinctual way that you cross a jackrabbit up so it can't beat the hell out of you with its back legs. The first foot that you get, whatever foot is closer, is on a back leg. And then you get a hand on the head because that's also instinctually what birds just go for. They go for those eyes. And then you crisscross them and you lock them in place like that so that the jackrabbit is already folded, so it has no leverage for its kick. And by the time we got to him, he had this jack folded up like he'd been doing it his entire life. That's amazing. Just perfectly done. And this was a little baby Tearsel Harris's hawk. First jackrabbit ever. He smokes it, catches it, folds it up, and is just chilling there waiting for us as we pull up. The jackrabbit's just barely, barely shaking, you know, what little movement it can do. But it's so funny how some birds just, yep, that's what I need to catch. Harris hawks and jacks, goshawks and ducks, right? Red tails and mice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
You know, and so we, we, everybody who's like maybe not a falconer, we're, we give each other shit like this, but most of it is in lighthearted fun. Like there is still something amazing about a red tail that flies four or six flaps off a telephone pole and then just fold up and just absolutely drops a Thor's hammer oh, yeah. on a jackrabbit. And everybody flinches because it was so hard. And then you hear the little bunny scream and you're like, damn, you know, like from freaking Friday, damn, <laughs> you know. Sometimes you don't even hear them scream. That's one of the few sometimes birds. Sometimes they just die. <laughs> sometimes they hit something, they hit it so hard, it just doesn't move. I mean, my buddy's red tail, it flew at like 15 something. And I mean, this rabbit flushes, the oh. bird was following on, it was waiting behind us a little bit. This rabbit thought it was going to sneak out the back end and run up the hedgerow. This bird was like 20 feet in the woods and it's running up the hedgerow. Just dum dum Bro, it T-boned that rabbit so hard, the intestines flew out onto the ground and it was just nice demolished. It was like, holy crap. I mean, listen, I'm all about goshawks, but I, I mean, I've seen my goshawk hit stuff, but I've never seen him hit something like, like a way a red tail can just, like you just said, put the hammer on something. It's nothing like it. Yeah, dude. I think I've only had one bird that I've ever got up to something and things were dead. And it was my female uh, Harris's hawk. She flew at about 1,200 grams. So she was, she was a thicky. I've came up on jacks with her and they're already dead. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. Like the 20 seconds it takes me to get to there, maybe if that's a long flight and the thing's dead, it's like I was going to use this as a baggie, Dan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my, I will say that my last uh, goshawk that died that one, she would kill squirrels on a regular, towards the end of the season, well, the, not the end of the season, towards the end of her life, I would say almost more than like 50 to 60% of the squirrels that she caught would be dead. Same thing like you said, or unconscious. Wow. Because she would switch the grip until she would get the head and her feet were so big do, 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 that do, like do, do. if she grabbed it by the head and the other foot was anywhere near the head, it was suffocating the, the squirrel. And squirrels, their, their heart beats like a gazillion miles an hour. So if you cut off the airflow... They die extremely fast. I mean, when they hit the water, they die almost instantaneously. It's the weirdest thing. Have you ever caught one in the water? They hit the water and they die. Like the bird can literally splash in the water. You can reach in, pull the bird out, and the squirrel is already dead with lungs filled with water. It's the weirdest thing. I've had it happen like 15, 20 times with red tails and goshawks. They just die. It's the weirdest thing. I think because they're just breathing, they're breathing with their mouth open, trying to bite. They can't not breathe there. I think they just suck in the, the water the water and they just die. I've had a few. I've had a few drowned in creeks, but by the time I like made my decision, you know, they had already like swam to the other shore. It was already dead. So so I've never had the quick, oh, bloop, pull it out. I've never had that before. It's usually. uh, That's how I know they die instantly because I've had that happen a few times. Dang, that's wild. Or I've had the birds just like, ha, I got you. I'm drowning you. And them somehow know I can drown this thing. Yeah. If I just sit here for a second and float, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to drown. And then I'll just, in a few minutes, I'll just row myself to shore. I'll be fine. I hunted around a lot of creeks in Dallas that's when I was hunting squirrels down there. That's where it's at. That must have been fun hawking. It's a fine time in my life, Casey, because so my first red tail was a male. He had a hallux that I think a tendon had been severed right before I trapped him. because So I got him with like a, a fresh scab on one of his halluxes. And so it never flexed. Ah. Like it could move like this, but it never like helped 
with the grab. So essentially he was one footed, you know, like he could balance on the other foot, but he, he could never actually grab anything with the other foot. Yeah. And so it took me two and a half months of trapping. We had a really, really bad year that year. And I lived in Louisiana. So it took me forever to trap my bird. And by the time I found one juvenile red tail, I'm like, I have to keep it. That was the first one I had ever seen. And it was a little male Harlan's and everybody knows about how hard they are. And he was. I messed with one for about five minutes. I said, get this thing away from me. Dude, they're so annoying. But dude, him and I had a good year or a good two years. We caught some squirrels. He molted out absolutely insane. Yeah, they're crazy like he looking. was stunningly beautiful. Caught a bunch of pack rats. We mostly caught pack rats, which because like I was in such a thick, and I had no idea how to hunt squirrels. I would hunt in such thick areas and I would target the pack rats jack up their nest and they then they would immediately go up and start running around in the trees because it's so thick there. Right. And so it, I would turn it into like a squirrel hunt, basically. He would have to chase the... Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he would chase the poor man's squirrel. Yeah, so, because when they when you bust them out of their nest, they immediately go up and they start climbing around in the tree. I hate rats. So it was nice, yeah. And it was kind of cool because like every so often, I don't know if it's a gender thing or an age thing. Um Careful. But <laughs> no, I don't know if like male pack rats are, are right. different color than females, but there's like silver, 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 silver. And then you would find a gigantic gold one. I'm not even kidding. They're, they had like golden fur not and they would always be these giants. And so I don't know if it was like the males, they would turn gold, but it was like the cool. That is cool. It's like the big boss. Yeah, dude, like the big boss. Like they would literally be twice as big as any other one that you'd caught. It would be like like an eight inch sub giant rat, and it would be freaking gold. And be like, shit, shit, it's a gold one. <laughs> oh my god! And you know, you'd see it maybe like every fifteen to twenty pack rats. That is pretty cool. Yeah, man. Listen, we had an experience rats the other day. I got rats in my chicken coop, which I'm slowly right. taking care Ugh. of. Dude, that was, and I couldn't really capture it on my phone because I was too involved, but like my wife was there, my son was there, and I just came home from work one day and I threw the bird out on hack at like 3.30, no idea where it went, just took off into the woods. I'm like, all right. Then I'm like cleaning and I see all the rat holes all over my, around my chicken coop. So I'm like, it's disgusting rats. So I take my, my hose, I just start filling the holes up with water. Oh, good idea. So I just have the hose running and as it's running, I'm like, oh, these things are going to come out. So I start taking my phone out. I call the dog over and the rats literally like clockwork just start freaking exploding out of the holes like a freaking, like, nice. a, like lava onto the ground. And they're running all over the dogs, killing them left and right. Then she's chasing them down, grabbing them. They're trying to make it to the barn in my neighbor's yard. So they're running. Then I see, Whoa. then the bird comes out of nowhere. Here's all the commotion of us laughing and yelling and the, the rats are running. And then the bird comes out of nowhere, grabs one. She nails one. Nice. He's holding on to it. I mean, you know, he's like holding on to it like his life depends on it. But I didn't want him to eat it because I didn't know if my neighbor put poison out. So I was a little paranoid. So I traded him off, got him off of it, gave him a little tidbit. He goes back up in the trees, catches another one. And this one was like a little, like a fuzzy. I don't even know how it got out of the hole. So he just swallowed it. I just let him, yeah, I just let him kill it. I'm like, there's no way this thing has poison in it. So I let him play with that one. My other dog's killing the other ones. But like, dude, I mean, I'm on the right podcast to ask this question. Like, how the heck do we get rid of, how do I get rid of these rats? It's a nightmare. With a situation like yours where you're always going to have some sort of feed exposed is that you just always have traps out, rat traps out. Okay. 
And so there's this um, a product that looks like a, a poison bait box, okay. but it's me- it just has that same design, but you put traps in it. Uh, oh, I have that. You click them. It's a plastic one. You click it open, and it has like a little tunnel, and they go through the tunnel and get caught in the tunnel. It's a tunnel like that, but you put your own traps inside of it. The tunnel is the main thing that makes them feel safe when going into something to access the traps. It's better than just having traps sitting out, A, because you have kids, you have dogs, you have birds, because the rats are like, oh, look, a tunnel, and the tunnel smells good. Let's check it out. And it makes them more comfortable to go up to the trap and Got get it. caught. Okay. Because they're so neophobic, they're so scared of new things that usually their issue is once you set the traps, takes a while for rats to actually build up the gall to go check them out besides just catching the you know the young little dumb ones if you get a couple of those things they're not even expensive and then you set your snap traps in them like set them around you'll you'll just come over to your chickens you'll see a tail sticking out of it you know what I mean like boom got one and so you just you pop the little uh opener that you hold on your keychain it opens it up you pull your traps out empty them, rebate, stick them back in, close it, and then you're ready to catch more rats. That's the best thing you're going to have to do in a situation where you're going to have chickens, you're always going to have feed out. There's always going to be an attractant for rats. Always, yeah. Seems that way. Yep. And you did a decent job. You killed a, a whole slew of them. Like 20-something of them. 20-something. So there's probably a few more. You you probably didn't catch any giants. Dude, they were all, that's the problem, is they were all like teenagers. They're all like... Exactly. So you didn't catch the biggest, smartest rats is the thing. Nope. We, ha- we flushed one, big juicy one, and I have it in slow motion. My dog bites it. It turns around and tries to bite my dog and my dog flings it in the air in slow motion and it like lands on me and I'm like, ah! It, it lands on it you? Landed, it hit my leg. Yeah, it landed on my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Man, I, I, I don't get... I, that's one animal that's that I just can hilarious, stand. Dude. I cannot stand rats, man. They're so gross. Man, I wonder how I would react. Someone who's like used to rats, who's used to killing rats. I wonder if I would flinch in that exact same scenario or if I would reach for it. Because like a lot of times in these situations, like like a rat bite, that's nothing, dude. You've probably been bitten by squirrels. That is my glove, yeah. not even close to squirrels, being bit by a squirrel. Squirrel will mess you up, man. Dude, a squirrel will slice your tendons right open. Oh, yeah. And like rats have maybe a fifth of the crushing power that a squirrel has, I wonder if I would care or if I would just try and grab it. You know what I mean? I wouldn't grab it. The golden <laughs> rat. No, you need to, you need to freaking skin that sucker and hang it over the chicken's, uh, the chicken coop mantle. Listen, if it's a, if it's a golden rat, that's another story. That's worth the bite. Dude, I'm you, man. Those gold, the golden pack rat days, man, those were so much fun. Oh, I never finished that. Oh, yeah, go on, sorry. Because the reason you said Dallas must have been fun, right? So I said all that to say, I basically had two mediocre years with that red tail. And then so everybody in my area, because it's hot and humid, everyone, unless you're an apprentice, flies Harris Hawks. Like that's what you fly because it's crazy thick and it's crazy hot. Red tails are just okay, whereas Harris Hawks do just fine with attempts there. So everybody flies them. Like you and your goshawker guys in New York, right? You can't wait to be one of the guys and get a goshawk. And so for me, it was, I got my first Harris Hawk. I got my first Coulson Harris Hawk, right? Louisiana. That's all anybody, we all buy from the Coulsons. Anybody in that area, that's where you go. Like that's your hub. 
they make the best birds, right? Everybody buys from them. And Michael, my company owner, he used to, when he did Nutria projects in New Orleans, he would barter all of the meat from those Nutria rats to the Coulsons, like, and he would kill so many hundreds, in fact, that he would buy his birds with meat. Like he would oh, just cool. I'm gonna donate the, you know, these 200 Nutria to you. How about two birds? And they're like absolutely 100 percent You know what I mean? Like they, they love that. That bill, that quail bill that they must pay, man, I'm sure it's a good deal for them. None. Zero. They don't have a quail bill. They don't buy because quail. Because they kill so many. Reason why they do a country tour every year and slaughter jackrabbits is them as well as the Nutria that they pay for, they pay trappers and stuff for, I guess that's their bill. Their bill is like their Nutria bill and their gas bill. <laughs> right, right. So that's, so they wait, so they make, they do a tour around the country because I've seen them, which listen, this is another topic we could get into, but I mean, I've seen them. Clean fields out. 20, yeah, I mean, 20 jackrabbits and like 15 cottontails on the tailgate of their truck after one day. And I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, you can do it. But like now the falconers that live in that area, like, you know, I have I have mixed opinions on it because I'm all about catching a bunch of game, but that like that seems a little bit excessive to me, especially nowadays yeah. with the viruses that are going around with all these rabbits and the numbers are low. Like, yeah, and it should impact you. You know, the one good thing I can say to them is like, so they don't usually go to areas that are inundated with falconers. Like they they really don't like. So they'll stop by the Nathami to visit those guys every year. But they almost never, they never stay there for the whole week because they don't want to impact those local populations. Like they're catching those amounts of game in middle of nowhere places, literally the middle of nowhere. They'll see a bunch of jacks being hit on the road on the highway. That was like three in two miles. And so they'll find, oh, that's where they're coming from. There's a farm field over there, you know, and it's got alfalfa in it. And so then they'll go and they'll talk to those guys. Hey, we travel around with a bunch of hawks and we murder <laughs> jackrabbits. Uh, you know, would you mind if we killed? Absolutely not. They chew up my water and they do all this and that. And then they'll go into that dude's field, kill 10 to 15 jacks, fill their freezers up, you know, and then they'll keep going. They'll head to another state. If you put it in those terms, it's, it sounds super reasonable. So they deal with more than most people. They are dealing with their home base dwindling to nothing. Right, like everybody. They've dealt with it, you know, more than most people. Like Katrina wiped out their entire bird population, their own like breeding population, and a bunch of their fields. And now every year they're seeing more and more of their fields it's a nightmare, uh, drying up, just like all of us, you know what I mean? We all are. So they, they get it. They're not, they're not, trust me, they're not going to, they're good people, you know, like no, they're they great like people. It. I listen to another podcast and they seem like very nice people. There's, they take their breed. That's one thing about them that I really like is they, they take their breeding of their birds extremely seriously. And uh, so like they won't seriously. even, they won't even consider a bird that's not like a monster proven. Top tier. Yeah. Like they're not even going to consider breeding it if it's not proven. And unfortunately, a lot of breeders they sometimes will just breed whatever they can get their hands on. And that's not, you're not putting out good offspring. I mean, I'm not going to breed a dog that can't run a rabbit. You know what I mean? I'm not going to breed that with my dog. Like, no, I want the best dog to breed with my dog. So I have good offspring. So anyway, I get a bird from them. I get her started. (laughs) Her first bag was a rat that I caught. (laughs) So 
stupid. It, it just a like golden a golden rat. A high school. I, <laughs> no, I wish. I wish it was a golden rat. Just a normal stupid rat. I bag it in this like high school football field. So stupid. Classic. Anyway, so classic. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> all right, the kids aren't here. Yeah, Let's yeah, uh, yeah. unroll the crayons. Yep. <laughs> stupid things you do when I you're think new. Every falconer would probably have a story just like that. Yeah. And then, so once she was bagged, I started taking her out on the tea perch, you know, because everything's so, I was literally hunting and stuff over my head. And she caught her first rabbit a few days later. And then it was literally a bloodbath after that. I caught over a hundred head nice. of squirrels, cottontails, an assortment of a whole bunch of other things because I was literally hunting every single day. That's that shite that people are talking about if you're young. Bro, go and hunt. And I was single. I had this full-time job, but I was more obsessed with hunting and I hunted my butt off. That's awesome. That's the way you should. Dallas has a bunch of those little middle of nowhere, like, dang, this is in the middle of the city, but there's so many rabbits, you know? And had a bunch of those. I wish. Oh, well, you aren't you in the middle of nowhere? I mean, kind of, yeah. I'm like in the midst of, of farm country, but I'm like, it's kind of a catch-22 because I'm so antisocial. I don't feel like talking to like all the farmers around me, but I know they have good fields. But I do have a bunch of fields that I found, and I'm still finding. I've only been here for a year, so I am finding them and looking. But there's definitely way more rabbits up here than there was down by uh, in North Jersey where I used to live. I mean, we had... Decent, tons of squirrels. I'll say the squirrel population is night and day. You know, you'll go to a park and there'll be like 20 squirrels like on the ground at one time. There's more here? No, there's more in like Jersey, like in the more suburban oh. areas. Well, because it's suburban. I'm sure that's like most places, you know, if it's... Yeah, squirrels are kind of taking off. In yeah, suburban. yeah. They, they have protection from all the people around, stuff like that. They do well. Like, I'm sure you guys have a... I wonder if there's a name for it, like animals that do well with the urban expanses that are happening, like geese, squirrels, coyotes. Coyotes, coopers, hawks. Coopers, hawks, exactly. Animals do well. But up here in the middle of nowhere, so the squirrels that are up here are slick. They're clever. They don't stick around for you to get a chance after them. And the rabbits, they know how to friggin' run up here. I mean, I got a field, and I took four falconers there, and we didn't take one rabbit. But then I brought my buddy who, like I was talking about earlier, he has a tearsel goss that can fly anywhere, anytime in front of anybody <laughs> or as many people. He caught two out of that field. And I was happy because we were going after him the whole season. And I was like, catch these suckers, man, because nobody else can. They're too clever. I think I'm, I'm a little jaded towards goshawks because of a few situations. Like I've been attacked by like more than three, which is not great. None of which were my birds. Why attack? Like in the field? Just like hit you? I've had one at I think I've had two attack me in the field. Just like they, out of aggression, or they thought maybe there's a chance I can eat this person? Yeah. Not going to name names. Yeah. Not not the best falconers, not the best goshawkers. Good in other areas. Somebody made a misprint, I guess, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, not great. Well, listen, I've seen a goshawk. I mean, I was at a meet. And I won't say the Falconer because I, I really respect him. He's, a good, he's an awesome guy. But he's stepping over a log with his tame Harris Hawk that does educational shows in front of hundreds of people. And he's stepping over the lo- a log and it just reaches out and just drills him in the face with one foot for no Harris? reason. Harris? Oh, yeah. Right in his face. 
Oh my gosh. I'm like, I don't know Harris Hawks do that. He goes, yeah. And he actually, you know, he has a lot of experience with Harris Hawks. And he actually said, they actually have a very bad reputation of doing that. And with dogs. Because they have to deal with coyotes. Oh, that what it is? Ah. So they, they nest so much lower than most birds because they're in, they nest in saguaro cactuses right, yes. most of the time. And that's a lot closer to the ground. Coyotes can't climb them, but they're still right there. And so they come straight up to the nest and are looking in only, you know, 10 feet or so from where the birds actually are. And so the adults have to bomb the coyote. So it's a, you're saying it's like a, it's in their makeup, genetic makeup. Yes, to, to be dogs. more anti-dog than most birds. Yeah, That's I've seen that with most birds for sure that in the beginning, Harris hawks are more anti-dog than most birds. But because of their social nature, they can, what I've seen, more easily be swayed to the we work with dogs team. Like dogs are cool. Way more than falcons, red tails, other birds, very anti-dog at first. Yeah, okay. That makes sense then. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Listen, I listen, I, I don't even want to give you any ground, but I was actually <laughs> I was actually I was actually at my buddy's house who breeds goshawks in New York, Tom Cullen's house, and he's got I mean, he's got a million birds at his house. He's got so much stuff there. And I and I told him and I said and I was looking at the goshawks, he had two young ones in a chamber with the parents. And I was looking at it. My son was taking handfuls of day-old chicks and sliding them through the chute. And like, you know, we had a good That's time. Cute. He gave us like a nice tour of the place. He does a really good job Sweet. up there. I was looking at the Harris Hawk through the bars and I was kind of like, you know, I hate to say it, but I feel like maybe I might want to fly one of these one day. And he was like, dude, he's like, you let me know when you want one and I got a bird with your name on it. So I'm like, you know what? I don't know, but it's kind of like, I don't know, I'd have to like wear it like a, a disguise if I go out and in the field with one. Okay, okay. I don't want anybody to know Casey? I have one. <laughs> no, right here, right here. Get bullied. You and me, you and me, same year. Dude, don't even say it. If you I'll say it, we'll do goss. it. Okay, d- deal, done. I'll fly a goss. I'll fly a Harris And on. you fly, so you deal. need to fly probably like the biggest female you can get your hands on so that she's amicable to the cold. I've flown in below freezing Time and time and time again. And now, and I've always tended towards the biggest females because I was always hunting squirrels. You know what I mean? So I would always tend to get big 1100 gram plus females to deal with that. So that's what you should lean towards. No 900, 800 gram. No, no, no. You want big giant Sonoran birds, right? And if I was gonna, I I need a quarry. You're in California. You're in heaven. There's game everywhere. (sighs) Literally everywhere. Don't, I don't want to hear it. it. You live in it like, is, it I, is nice. I've been hawking out there with Connor. And I mean, I've never seen so many, so much game in my life. I mean, there's quail, there's jackrabbits, there's cottontails, there's ducks. It's like, you can catch all the above, like anything you want. Yeah. Up here is not so much that. The climate is different, but up here is like small bird haven, like micro guys haven. Like if I had a Sharpie, Cooper's hawks and under. It's it's heaven up here. Get a tear soul. No, that's not fair. That's not a fair trade-off. If you're going to fly a goss, you should get a female. They're a little easier to... Really? That's an easier bird I, to I'm enter. I'm not scared. Trust me, I've dealt with Merlins, and by that time, I will have flown so many more Merlins. You know? By that time, bro. Talk, let's, let's make this happen next year, bro. Oh, well, oh, hold, you might be onto something for the female. If I was going to do something, it would have to be... I would probably have to target squirrels and jacks here. That's what I've got. Easy for, peasy. If I was gonna, I don't, I don't really have any bird quarry for goshawks. Everything here is too small. No quail. No, none. 
The ducks? I mean, ducks are, I know you got to be in the kind of the right spot. No ditches behind buildings and stuff. I have ditches, but they're never, ever consistent. They're never consistently yeah, full. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. Yep. So I would probably have to just fly it on fur. So I would need a heat-tolerant female. So is that like a finished cross, maybe? Listen, the finished birds, I, I already know of this year didn't even, this hawking season didn't even start yet. And I know four people that had North Americans pass away already. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All Asper. This, that. The North American goshawk is the most maneuverable, one of the most explosive goshawk subspecies, but they are so freaking sensitive to everything. The Finnish birds are like indestructible. They're giant. They're strong. They say that they have a, a predisposition to resist aspergillosis. It's just a big bird. I just don't really like the way they look. I like the way the North American looks, and I like the way the albatus looks. I don't really like the fin birds. I think they look kind of... But listen, nowadays, you can get a white cross for a similar price to a pure fin bird. And if we get one of these breeders that might be listening on board with our little, <laughs> uh, little trade, maybe somebody will, will sponsor our, uh, our little trade here. We could have a little entertainment thing. And then at, whoever catches more game, then they have to like shave their head, you know? Bro, I just got, I'm still, <laughs> I wait, we both have shaved heads. We literally, uh, he's, he's trolling guys because I just came off of a shaved head. I can see the side, I don't know if his whole head is shaved. I can see some of his head is shaved. I shaved the side. Yeah, the top man. going? I, I just did the top. Okay. It's the only thing I got left. It has man. to be, it has to be more brutal. We have to strap a quail leg to my butt cheek and run full speed through a field and the bird has to grab it. That's easy. <laughs> that's not a bad idea. Whoa, hold on. That's not a bad idea. What would we do like uh I don't know. Anyway, we'll figure out the terms of the uh, of the agreement. So I would probably need to get a Finn North American cross female, right? They're more high strung. Than what? The best hybrid that I have seen is the... Squirrels. Albatus mixed with a Finn. And now I have an... The one, the tier slide I'm flying now is an Albatus mixed with a Russian, which they say, Moglitch says, is a little bit more maneuverable, has a little bit different characteristics that he likes. So I'm actually excited to see what this guy is capable of. But I mean, listen, dude, I'm not going to tell you what bird to fly. Fly whatever you want, but I'm open to it. Depending on how many people we get when we do the poll. <laughs> and listen, I, I saw that one in his chamber and I looked at it and I said, you know, that thing might be kind of fun to fly around, you know, chase some stuff. Dude, they're a hoot, man. Honestly, so like Alyssa just got these two new males. And maybe you feel this way about a goss, but like, bro, there is nothing like a freshly pulled Harris hawk. Like it is this beautiful blank, like slab of granite or marble that you can just carve into anything you want. You know, like this could be a, a duck slayer. This could be a jack murderer. You know what I mean? This could be a car hawking crow demolisher. You know what I mean? Just like have all the moves flying out of the car. You know, if it's like, a, if it's for work or something, like if it's a work bird or like a, a freaking absolute held on squirrels, you yeah, know, like I've seen them. that was my thing when I was flying Harris's man, I was hell on squirrels. We killed so many squirrels. It was unbelievable. And, and like knowing what I know now, how much better of a falconer I am now, I can't even imagine how more success, how much more successful I'll be. It's true, man. And not having to deal with seasons where I live because I could just hunt. Oh, that's right. They're invasive. Oh, that's amazing. That's okay. That's, I'm open to it, man. If you're open to it. 
I'm open to it. I've always chalked all this trash, but I've always said like, I got to fly everything. I have to fly everything. You know, life is long and I will fly everything. I'll fly a coop. I'll probably fly a couple coops. I'll fly a couple more Sharpies. Probably fly a couple goshawks. I'll fly an eagle. You know, I'm going to yeah, fly an eagle. Everything. An eagle would be fun. Yeah. I think a nice big female goshawk, you'd have some fun with it, especially on squirrels and jacks and <sighs> rabbits. You'd clean up with it. You're experienced enough that you would be able to put together all the issues that arise and you would just, you would breeze through them. You know what I mean? You have enough insight and like, you know, enough people that would, you'd be able to work through it. It's not, you know. Oh, for sure. I know McDermott firsthand and he's told me he's never doing another imprint ever again because of how easy his chamber bird was. So I would probably do that. Yeah. Chamber birds, um, they're not that easy. Really? I guess his is, he, he's McDermott. So it's like easy to him. You know what I mean? I just love imprints for the moment, but I do see the potential of a chamber bird. And I have a friend of mine that makes only chamber birds, some imprints, but mostly chamber birds. And he wants me to fly one of his chamber birds like really bad. That's what I'm saying, bro. Uh, I just like, they just seem like such like, you know, I want a bird that has no fear and just wants to kill everything. Even if they want to kill me too sometimes. Bro, this chamber showed less fear than any imprint I've ever seen. When Mike drove out to hang out with us in Reno and hunt jacks and hunt chucker, which he was, this bird showed no fear, none. So I don't know if that's counter to what you're hearing or what you've seen from most other chamber birds. What I'm hearing is that they're more difficult in the beginning than a passage because a passage, they both have the same level of fear because they both, a, a proper chamber bird has no exposure to humans whatsoever. So they have a, a fear of humans the same as a passage does. But the difficulty comes because they have zero experience in killing their prey. So they don't know what's going on. With a passage, they're terrified of you. But when you put a rabbit in front of them, they go, oh, I know what that is. I'm going to kill that. You put a rabbit in front of a chamber bird and they're like, "Uh, I don't know what that is. You know, so it's like you have more hurdles. But I did hear once you get past those hurdles and they calm down, they calm down almost like an imprint because they kind of like. They'll sit in your house, like unhooded uh, with, you know, with their foot tucked. A passage will almost never do that in someone's house, really, with people around. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard passages. They, some of them will calm down and be very tame, but most of them, they are just like, like my buddy flies one. He's been flying it for, I think, 13 years. And I mean, that thing, like if you didn't know anything about the bird or him and you were at a falconry meet and he pulled that thing out of the box and starts putting the transmitters on it and stuff, you'd be like, are you sure you're going to let that thing go? And then he just like puts oh, is it, it... Is it like bait, 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 It's like chittering. It's got its <laughs> wings out. And then he just like, he just like chucks it. It just takes off into the woods. It just flies all the way like until it's out of sight. And then we all just sit there and we wait. And then 10 minutes later, or not even until like five minutes, it just like... Zoop, right in the tree above us, head bobbing the dogs, looking. And then we walk and it follows like a red tail. That's so funny, dude. And anything that moves, it's dead. But like, it will not sit on the glove unless it's eating and wants nothing to do with you. But the minute it's in the field, things a killer, you know? Take this, you know, uh, leaning towards your Harris's Hawk adventure that you're going to have down the road. My best females never loved me. Like, they never, like, truly loved me. Now they were killers, and that's what I cared about. I didn't care. That's all I care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't care if we were cool. We can kind of be cool, but we have a business arrangement. You know what I mean? I feed you. I don't screw with you too much. I put you in your little box after you're all worn out. You've got a nice crop on you, and we have a good time. Perfect. 
Exactly. Fine with me. I want as long as my bird kills and is at least tolerable in terms of its behavior. That's all I care about. I'm all about my performance in the field, man. That's all I care about. I want a bird that can fly around people, that can fly in scenarios around cars, dogs, and catch game. And if it if it screams a little bit, I don't really, you know what I mean? It'll grow out of that as long as you fly it. But if you're saying, if you're one of these people that's like, oh, my bird doesn't make a peep in the field and you caught like five head a game the whole season. It's like, I'd rather a screaming bird that's a little bit unruly that catches, you know, fills my freezer. That's my thing. I'm sure you kind of agree to a certain extent with what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, to an extent. Like the, this dude who uh, got loose, Daniel, he never, he never ended up like loving me. But man, would he catch birds? I know. I saw some of the videos of him flying. He was like a little, a little, a little meteorite just floating above you in the atmosphere, waiting to friggin' man, crap, yeah, smoke dude. something. Oh. Yeah, that was impressive. I remember you would post some videos. You'd film your dog walking, and then just film straight up, and there'd just be like this little, like this little satellite just like hovering above you, like all the way up there, just waiting. That is pretty exciting. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that again, man. I'll tell you what. You know, something that was pretty cool. It's hard to say because there's like two opinions that I hold in very high regard. One of which is a person who's flown many, many, many Merlins. And so the information that's in their mind is way more specialized. Let's say that all Merlins are different and you can't get all Merlins to fly the right way. And you bounce that off of the information from my grandfather, who's probably flown more birds total than this person and a vastly more bird species than this person who told me, Chris, you can get any Merlin to do anything you want it to do. You know, Mm. he was talking about me, not like anyone. Right. And so I'm like, you know, I believe you because I took this bird that was supposed to be a piece of junk who had like probably an electrical burn mark on the bottom of his foot and on the back of his leg who I was told to let go. No, let it go. You know, you're going to have to be tending to him. Anyway, I turned him into an absolutely high-flying machine. And we had an amazing two seasons. So I feel like I can do the same thing. Anyway, all that to say, like, with a female in the next season and fly bigger Corey like that. Yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Snipe, dude. Snipe doves. Yeah. A few other here's and there's. That's the ultimate right there. Catching doves with a Merlin is that's some serious hawking. That's where it's at. Anybody can catch dinky birds. You know, dinky birds, like a lot of people can do that, but catching doves, I never caught a dove with my Merlins. I've flown like four of them and I never caught a, a dove. A lot of flights, like ton of flights off into the freaking distance. Like, but I'd never caught I never caught one. You know, I've always wanted to catch one. That's something that always kind of pisses me off that I never caught one. Ah, interesting. So I might have to rectify that in the future. But after I fly a Harris Hawk. all right hey on that note that's a good time to cut it off we're gonna oh wait real quick we're about to go watch the fights let's get some predictions oh friggin vittori is a is a mental patient that guy he's he's gonna lose he's not mentally tough really you think so i don't like that guy i think he's i think he's a basket case i think he's two in his own head i think whitaker is gonna smoke him big giant head He's going to crush him. It doesn't matter. He's got a giant head. Friggin' Robert Whitaker, man. He's from Australia. He's half criminal, man. He's going to beat him. He's from Stryon, mate. Yeah. All right. So you got the former champ in that one. Yep. In the main event, you got Tai Tuivasa and Cyril Gunn. Who do you think? They're both good. They're both super good. Someone's going to sleep. And I don't really know who, but Tuivasa, he seems like he can really take a, a freaking crack and come back. 
He is. Look at what Derek Derek Lewis couldn't get him out. No, man. That dude can take a hit. I, I think he's going to win, personally. I think he's going to win. So he's like gone as like a minus 500 favorite. That makes me root for him. For the I other know. Guy that's why I messaged, I messaged in the group. I'm like, hey, does anybody have any betting apps, bro? Throw a, a sprinkle of cute yeah. little hundred bucks. Chop a couple cute of shillings. Cute hundred bucks on tie, dude. Yeah, man. It's worth it. Yeah, fights are going to be good. When do they start? They start at the regular time tonight, right? Not. No, the main event's about to start. Oh, then I'm probably going to miss it. because my... It's in Paris. Oh, it's in Paris? Yeah. Oh, well. They started, the prelim started at 9 a.m. Yeah, I hate that when they do that. I'm too busy on Saturdays, <laughs> man. I Bro, to... I've just been staying off social media, oh. dude. I haven't been looked at Instagram all day. Can you still watch it later? Can you still watch it? Like if I sat down yeah. tonight? And yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I go to ESPN. ESPN Plus, dude, like I stay off of Instagram if I've got work like I did this morning and I'm recording here with you. Yeah. And I completely stayed off Instagram for spoilers. And now I'm about to go to ESPN Plus and log in and watch all the fights as if I'd never. We're going to go fly some birds, run some dogs, and then come home and uh, watch some fights. Ah, man, you're already flying. That's. Well, it's not real flying. But. I'm bringing this. Yeah, it's something. I'm bringing this Jir Barbary down just so I can do something, bro. Like I'm probably just gonna lure train her and then drone her and then maybe trap some pigeons just to watch her demolish some. Oh, yeah. I have no game for her. You know, I, I I probably will have some work for her at the end of this month. So that's kind of what I'm getting her in shape for. But God, I just gotta start flying birds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? believe me, you don't have to tell me. I fly almost yeah. every day, and I still. I still look forward to it every single day going out. So yeah, dude, I can't wait. Yeah, I'm starting to because it's like it's literally a hundred degrees out, and it's going to be a hundred and ten the next two days. Super exciting. Yeah, but the Barbary can take it. The Barbary half of that bird can handle it. Yeah, half of it. So I I I work in the morning with her. I, I go in the morning. Yeah, got it. Probably tomorrow. Actually, I'm going to get her on the creance for the first time. We'll drive out to the middle of nowhere. Just come into the lure. Nothing fancy. I like a, my buddy flew a pure Barbary for one season and I had fun watching that thing. He was just doing a lot, a lot of training with it. And I mean, it was like, it was like a jumbo Merlin, but it would literally, I mean, the one day it tried to hit this quail that we threw out for it, like for doing a training exercise. It overshot it and literally hit the ground and rolled like a freaking baseball on the ground. Like, I've never seen a falcon do yeah. that. I'm like, this thing's a savage, this bird. Like, it's just like, it came yeah, in so Yeah, are bananas, like, dude. Yeah, it made me want one. I was like, this thing is a savage. So Barbaries, their, their propensity for that, being super heavy, wing-loaded, super sharp feathered. That's why guys put them into gear so that we could have those aspects onto a, onto a gear, a little bit smaller. And, you know, I have the other idea. Put those... Into Merlin? a Merlin. Bro, anything into yes, Merlin? dude. Bro, I agree. A Burblin. I'm going to call it a Burblin. Dude, somebody needs to do it because I love... <laughs> my buddy had a Jerlin. He had a Jer Merlin, a little black one years ago. Oh my God, I still think about that bird to this day. That was like 15 years really? ago. Oh my God, it was such a cool little bird. It was like the coolest looking. Flew so what did it do? Just lure fly it, like serve it pigeons and just watch them crush stuff. But it was, it was more for fun. But it just looked so cool. It was like a little jeer, like a little black miniature jeer. It was so cool. I want one, man. I want one just for fun, like just to have it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if you can get some dove fields. I have them up here by me. I really do. I could get something to take doves if I really wanted to. All right. So w- would you have anything for it to fly in December and January and February? 
Only pigeons, probably, like farm barn pigeons and stuff like that. Those are always around, seeing more and more of them. Those can be fun. You know, those can be fun if you do ringing flights, you know, flush them from the ground. And if the Falcon's just so confident by then that I'm just going to, ch- I'm going to sky you out and then one of you is going to bail and I'm going to catch that one. Those can be amazing flights. Like that's what Rob Giraud did with those Aplamados a few years ago. That sounds fun. They are interesting birds. My buddy is catching a bunch of stuff in PA with one. Really? What's he catching? Birds? Catching birds? Stuff that he's not supposed to, but a oh, lot of like wow. pretty, pretty much, well, right now at least is, you know, it's a fresh new bird. So he's just flying it at starlings and then the occasional dove, sparrow of various kinds. And I think he catches pigeons. There's another kid in, uh, in Maryland catching pigeons left and right with his. I've considered, and I, I've considered doing kind of that with a Merlin too, just that method versus one of these like pinky up highfalutin methods, which I've learned. Yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, just, just let a Merlin be a Merlin and tail chase things and just show it a whole bunch of quarry. So like, you know, go to a dairy, fly the dairy. It's going to catch a pigeon, a dove or a starling, you know? So like throw a GPS. I don't know. That's super low impact kind of low class falconry. It's, it's, it is what it is, you low know? Class, low it class. It is, dude. You're getting covered in crap. You, you smell like cow shit all the time, you know? Nah, man, you got to get that bird waiting on, beautiful flush, you know, the whole thing. I'm a, I'm a true, I'm a long winger now, dude. Yeah, well, that's going to change when you get your goshawk, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we talked about the fights. Let's cut this bad boy off. Thank you guys for listening. Casey, thank you for jumping on with me. My pleasure. Appreciate it. People are going to love this. I'm going to clickbait the hell out of this title. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we did have a good discussion. It's going to be like the Harris Hawk versus Goss Hawk debate. Alrighty, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. Casey, they know where to find you. TikTok and Instagram. NJ Falconry. NJ Falconry, even though he lives in New York. Allegedly. Allegedly lives in New York. (laughs) All (laughs) right. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Until next time, peace. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this podcast. This is Michael Baran, a.k.a. Bare Hands Baran. Make sure you go now to Discovery Plus. Download our reality TV show, Bare Hands Rescue where we are out there every day rescuing people from wild animals. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it is informative. Download it today and listen for our next podcast.